I want to um, start this morning, um, and and um, we 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 don't do what we do just because of the hub. Because there's people out in the hub this morning. Are you out in the hub this morning? All right, wonderful. <laughs> I just gotta I just gotta make sure that you're there, okay? Um, because they could all walk out on me, and I I would never know it. I need to set up a reverse monitor, um, but, uh, but we also do what we do because there are people that are watching online. Um, I'm just going to shout out to uh, one of the guys in the church, Dennis, that his schedule just switched and he now is working every Sunday morning. And so Dennis, I know that your wife is going to pull this up online for you so that you can watch it. And so I just want to say, Dennis, this is church, my brother. This is, this is your church experience. And if you're watching, it may be months from now, and you're not a part of Silver Creek Church. You're not, you're not in the UP, and you're watching this. This is God for you today. This is what God has for you today, and I'm excited about that. I, I just have to, um, I have to, you know, they say timing is everything. You know, you know what I'm saying? Timing is everything. And... Um, um, I, on a Sunday when the pastor's message is entitled The Glutton, we're feeding people French toast um, in the hub, okay? If you didn't get here for French toast in the hub, there was, I'll, I'll just rub it in a little bit more, there was also uh, fresh handmade sausage, uh, patty sausage. So if, if you, this is a reason to come to church because if ever again we serve that, you're gonna wanna get that, okay? And, um, and so... Um, somebody, you know, we were talking this morning about my message and was it going to be about food? And I, I had thought of this. I wasn't going to share it, but I will. I, I saw a lady um, at a, an event somewhere and, and her t-shirt said, I run because I love to eat. Okay. That is my philosophy. Okay. <laughs> That is my philosophy. You know, people say, "Oh, you, you know, you're, 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 you're doing, you just, you're healthy all the time." No, I, I run, I run so I can eat. That's, that's, you know, and and I did thank the Lord. I got cleared for running this week. Um, I haven't, st- I haven't started. I haven't started yet. Um, I'm, ge- I'm getting lots of tips about what I can do, um, and thank you for all of those uncomfortable tips that that people are giving me. Um, because uh, my left side is just bothering me, and so I have people giving me tips about what to do, and, and they're, they're not helpful at all, and so I just want to <laughs> say thank you for all of those. Um, our, our series is Epic Fails. My message today is The Glutton, um, and um, if I was talking about food, I would have to start with myself, so we're, we're not really going to do that, but we are going to talk about appetite um, but we're looking at a man in the scripture that I think most of us have heard about. His name is Samson. And uh, if, you, if you grew up um, in, in the, well, at least if you grew up in Wisconsin, um, the, the name Samson, I, as I'm, I'm, I'm working on my message, I, I will admit I did get sidetracked and had a little rabbit trail of research um, but what, I grew up in, uh, in the 70s, you know, um, I was born in the early 60s, and, and I grew up in the 70s in Wisconsin, and the name Samson to us as kids, that was, that was different. That was actually uh, one of the, the primates at the Milwaukee Zoo was named Samson and was, uh, was actually very famous, so 
When I think of Samson, I think of the Bible character, but then I also think of this big silverback gorilla um, that as kids we just used to love to go see on our field trips. But Samson was known for his superhuman strength And his story is contained in the book of Judges. Now, I'm not going to read a whole bunch from the book of Judges because the the narrative stretches over several chapters. But I'm going to tell the story this morning of this man named Samson. He was what we call a judge in Israel. Now, I have to explain a little bit about what a judge is. You see, Israel was very cyclical. Um, they, their history was very cyclical. It repeated itself over and over. And what would happen is Israel, they were a theocracy, okay? Uh, here in America, we, we often think that we're a democracy, but we're actually a republic. And, and that is our, that's what our government was. Well, Israel's government was a theocracy. God was the head of the government, and, and in their history, um, they would rebel against God's leadership over them. They would walk away from him. They would begin to worship other gods, and that was called apostasy. God had laid claim to them. God had actually uh, pulled, plucked out this man named Abram, and through Abram, who became Abraham, God began a lineage through which he would bring his son Jesus as the savior of the world. And and Israel at times did not like that fact that God had chosen them, and so they rebelled against it. They committed apostasy by worshiping uh, foreign gods. And then what God would do is he would allow them to be invaded by other countries and they would be taken over and then they would be under the rule of those other countries. And after a period of years, they would begin to get it through their thick heads that life would be a whole lot better if we came back to God. And so as a country, they would repent and they would come back to God and they would cry out against uh, the, 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 the slavery or against the rulership of the countries that had come in or, or sometimes it was just countries that were attacking them um, from different areas and they would cry out to God and God would bring a judge or a military leader who would deliver them from the bondage or from the oppression or from the attacks that they were dealing with. And so the period of Judges, as we look at Scripture, goes from 1350 B.C. all the way into the reign of David in about 1000 B.C. So a 1300, 1350-year period. And Samson's, I'll say leadership, but that's really not a great word because Samson... Samson really didn't lead people. He led uh, the start of a deliverance. He didn't really lead the people per se, but it took place between 1118 and 1078 BC over about a 40-year period of time. He was a man who experienced epic failure in his life. There were also numerous victories in his life as well. And today I want to look at four truths from the story of Samson uh, that I think are going to make an impact on our lives. And we're going to start with number one, God had an amazing plan 
for Samson, and God has an amazing plan for your life, okay? You say, well, what, what do you mean by that, pastor? God had an amazing plan for this man named Samson. Israel had, they had been doing evil. God had judged them, uh, and, and they had cried out, and now God has sent a deliverer. This is on the front end This is on the front end of God really delivering them. He sent someone to begin, the Bible says, this process of deliverance. And and, and, and during that time, there was a a couple that that they lived in Israel and they were childless and they were sterile. They could not have any children And an angel of the Lord appeared first to the mother and then to the the both parents at another occasion and announced the birth of this child to the parents. And this this was Samson's parents. Now we see throughout scripture there are several instances where an angel will visit a a man or a woman or a couple and and tell them, you are going to have a baby, all right? John the Baptist. How about Jesus? Man, when you start to think of it, Samson is in some pretty, pretty good company. The angel of the Lord appears, and and not only does he announce it, but he gives them specific instructions. He said, I want this child to live a certain way. And the term that the angel used is a Nazarite. And a Nazarite is a vow that a person takes. And that, that vow is very important. Let's look at Judges chapter 13. This is one of the, the specific scriptures from Judges that I'm going to use. Verse 5, he says, You will become pregnant. This is the angel. You will have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Now, a Nazarite vow meant that you could not eat the fruit of the vine. Does anybody know what the fruit of the vine is? It's grapes, okay? You could not eat grapes, and you could not drink the product of those grapes, and you could not drink fermented drink. It also said that you could, not, um, you could not touch anything unclean, and the, the, uh, especially there, it's anything dead, okay? You could not co- come in contact with, with things uh, that were dead, and then thirdly, uh, you could not cut your hair. Now, the vow could be made temporarily, it could be made voluntarily, but in Samson's situation, it was almost given as a condition, okay, that from birth he will be a Nazarite. And what this means is literally for someone to be set apart for special use by God. So you say, how does this apply to my life? Well, let me tell you something that God may not have announced your birth via angels, but while you were in your mother's womb, he knit you together. 
in the, in the, the dark place where no one else could see. Not even your parents could see. The Bible says that he knit you together. That all of your days were written in his book before you lived even one of them. Come on. You, God God has given you a special purpose, a special plan in your life. He has a plan to prosper you and not to harm you. And God has literally placed you right where you are because of that plan that he has for your life. Acts 17, 26. I, there's somebody, you're going to need to highlight this, okay? This is, this is going to, this really, God really used this in my life. Recently, Acts 17 and verse 26 From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. Now, I want you to get this, okay? And he, what? Determined. He determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. It means, literally, in a linear sense, that God set a boundary stake at the beginning and a boundary stake at the end and determined when your life would be. Now that's special. God has a purpose for you. I love asking people when I meet them, are are you from the Marquette area? You know, and, and some people, yep, I was born in Scandia. You know, I lived in the Ghani and now I'm in, I'm in Harvey. Or you know what? Some people talk about how they came uh, to college and they never left. Some people went away for 30 years and worked and now they've come back to retire. But I love to hear that story. And we think, well, that's just what I wanted to do. But that's not what God's word says. It says he determined the place where you live. God has a plan for you. God has a very special plan for you. Number two, Samson's appetite led him down the road of compromise. Samson's parents were told of his purpose. No doubt they told that to Samson. Samson, you have got a purpose from God. God has brought you into this world and he gave us to you to begin the deliverance of the people of Israel. Could you imagine their joy in telling him that? But you know what? As we look at his life, it doesn't look that he was necessarily interested in being used for God's purpose as a Nazarite or as a judge, a deliverer, or even as a Hebrew. I want to look at three occasions in Samson's life here quickly where his appetite caused him to compromise. The first one is this, found in Judges 14, the first three verses. Samson wanted to marry a woman that was not a Hebrew. Now, Samson went to a city named Timnah. And the city of Timnah was a Philistine-controlled city that was in the boundaries of the land of Canaan, which God had given to the people of Israel. And evidently, he spent enough time in that, that, that Philistine-controlled city, enough time to be able to find a girl that he liked. And when he saw this young woman, he goes home and he says to his dad, Dad, I have found the girl for me, and she's in the city of Timnah, and his father knew that she would be a Philistine. He is literally... He's literally consorting with the enemy. 
the, the people that he has been called to begin the deliverance of Israel from, and he wants to marry one of their women. The father tried to convince him to find a nice Jewish goyal. I was really hoping you'd get that. I, I, I even told that to the staff, and they, they groaned, and so I was, I was really debating, do I use that one or not? Although it's not strictly forbidden to marry those that were not Jewish, Deuteronomy, 7, uh, or Deuteronomy mentions seven specific nations that the Hebrews were not to marry or allow their children to marry. You say, why is that? These are God's chosen people, okay? And, and it's, it is literally the bloodline through which he's going to bring the Savior. But there were also other reasons. We read in Deuteronomy 7.4 about what happens when, when the Israelites would begin to, or why they should not intermarry with other countries. It says this, For they will turn your children from following me to serve other gods, and the Lord's anger will burn against you, <coughs> excuse me, and will quickly destroy you. Even King Solomon, in all of his wisdom, in all of his wisdom, one of his great failures in in life and in leadership was the fact that he had 900 wives. Okay? 900 wives. I asked God to give me the grace to to just... To, I, I've got one, and that's all, that's all I can handle, you know. And some would say I'm not doing a very good job of handling that. I'm not sure. She's out of the room, so I, if she comes running in here, you'll know. But in 1 Kings 11, verse 4, it says, As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart from, uh, after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of, his, of David his father had been. The, and here's the, the point of application. Sometimes we want what we want, and it doesn't matter to us what God says. That's the point. Sometimes we just want what we want, and we're going to do everything that we need to in order to get it. And our proximity to temptation correlates to the impact of that temptation in our lives. The scripture tells us to flee from sin. Are you with me? Samson was moving toward it. He was not fleeing from it. Number two, Samson eats honey from a carcass of a lion. It's found in Judges chapter 14, verses 5 to 9. He's on a, on a trip to Timnah, okay? He has found this girl. And he's on, he's on a trip to Timnah. And the Bible says that a lion jumps out of the bush and comes after Samson. It didn't say that he went looking for it. But it took him by surprise, and it attacked him. And the Bible says that Samson literally, with his bare hands, tore the lion apart. Now, if a lion's coming after you, they're coming after you head first. I envision him taking that lion by the upper jaw and the lower jaw and just beginning to open it up until he just literally pulls him apart. On a subsequent trip, 
he goes back to where that took place because we're guys. We want to see that gory stuff, okay? You know, what's it going to look like decomposed? And he goes back to it. And in the decomposition process, bees have found their way into the body cavity of the lion. And so Samson realizes there's honey in there. And so he reaches his arm into the body cavity and he scoops out the honey that is there. Now you think, A, he's going to get stung, okay? But let's remember, he is Samson, so he has superhuman strength. But B, we don't think, of, we, we think, hey, honey, this is a good thing. We're like, we're youpers. We're like, we got to jar this stuff up and save it for the winter, right? Samson was actually disobeying the Nazarite vow by reaching into that dead carcass. Are you with me? He was, liter- he was compromising the vow that God had called him to. Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2, it says, But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. You know, Samson's parents, they weren't there. They, they didn't see what happened. In fact, it says he took the honey and he gave them some. They didn't see this whole thing happen or they would have said, Samson, how could you have done that? Don't reach into that, that lion's dead body. But that's what he did. When we disobey God, even if no one else sees us, there are consequences. But I want you to notice that there was no change in Samson's ability. He was running down the road away from what God wanted him to do. He's breaking his vows that God had called him to, and he still has all of his strength. I want you to notice that. Number three is Delilah. Delilah gets the secret to Samson's strength. You can read about it in Judges chapter 16. Samson's first wife, who was from Timnah, she was burned to death by the Philistines because Samson had bested them and had killed 30 of their men. And so they burned her to death And now Samson falls in love with another Philistine woman named Delilah. And her countrymen offered her an incredible amount of money if she would betray Samson's trust and his secret of what his strength, were the source of his strength. So I want you to get this picture, okay? Samson and Delilah are together. And she asks Samson, Samson, what is the source of your strength? I imagine his head is on her lap and she's sort of, you know, stroking his long hair. What's the source of your strength, Samson? And Samson says, and guys, this is in the Bible. I, I, want, you to, I want you to get this, okay? The Bible says that, that literally that... that um, He says, bind me with seven fresh thongs. Okay? Culturally, it loses a little bit between then and now. All right? I I read this and I was just like, this is an odd. That means, it means pieces of fresh leather. Okay? Bind me with seven pieces of fresh leather. 
okay? And I will be as weak as anyone. So Samson is there, and, and he falls asleep on her lap, and it says that she takes out the seven pieces of fresh leather, and she ties him up. And she, she, she yells, okay? Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And it says they come out right out of, they're already in the house. And they come out and they attack him. And what happens? He fends them off and he defeats them. Now, what happens next? The scripture tells us that for a second time, she said, Samson, tell me the source of your strength. Now that's silly. I imagine his head is on her lap again. Samson, what is the source of your strength? As she's caressing his hair. What is the source of your strength? Now, I'm not saying I'm the smartest guy in the world, but I think I could smell this one out. I think I could, I think I could do it. But it says that he actually says to her, if you bind me with new rope, I will be as weak as any other man. He falls asleep. This guy sleeps a lot. (laughs) And she takes those new ropes that they must have brought her and and she ties him up. And, And... Can you imagine her motioning to the guys in the closet? I imagine they're in a closet, okay? I don't know if they actually had closets. I just imagine it, okay? And literally, they bust out of the closet. Samson, the Philistines are upon you! And it says he just, he, he, literally, it's like, it's like you take a, a flame to a very thin piece of material and it just disappears. He just, he just comes out of those ropes and, and he, beats them, he just beats them down. And then they have another occasion where they are together and his head is on her lap. She's stroking his hair. Samson, you really make me look bad. She, she, that's what she, she says. You, you are, you're mocking me, Samson. If you really, if you really loved me, Samson, if you really loved me, you would tell me the source of your strength. I, I, I'm blown away, but I, I literally think he's playing with her. He thinks nothing, I'm, I'm invincible. He said, if you braid my hair into seven braids and then put a pin in it, I'll be as weak as any other man. I want to point this out. Look at how close he was. He's tiptoeing right up to the line. She braids his hair. Yada, yada, yada. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And, and what happens? They come out. He, he just he beats them down. And a fourth time. A fourth time. Samson, if you really loved me. And she's whining. She is just a whining, just terrible. And Samson is so sick and tired, so sick and tired of hearing the whining that he caves in and he tells her, it's my hair. If you cut my hair 
I'll be as weak as anyone else. The scripture says that Delilah had to call the Philistines because they had already given up. She had to call them to come back. He's told me. She has a, a, a man come in. He's asleep on her lap, I envision. The scripture doesn't say, and has him cut Samson's hair while he's asleep. Yada, yada, yada. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Samson gets up and says, like every other time, I'm going to, I'm going to beat him down. And the Bible says that he has no strength. He's a man like every other man. This this compromise, this compromise led him to that place. How could Samson be, be so stupid? They gouged out his eyes. They take him as prisoner. He knew the guys were in the closet. He's playing a game. He literally gets a thrill from being as close to the line as he possibly can. James says this about you and I in verses one, chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after the desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. When we walk the road of compromise, we get closer and closer to epic failure in our lives. And it's our own temptation, our own desire. We just get too close. Number three, Samson was totally unaware that the Spirit of the Lord had left him. When we read the beginning of Samson's life, before any of the exploits, we're told that God blessed him and that the Spirit of the Lord was beginning to stir in him. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him to deliver him from the Philistines. So that was moving in him. I don't know exactly what it means, but it meant he was preparing him. And three different times in Samson's life, we read that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him in power. Judges 14.6, when the lion attacks him on the way to Timnah. In, in Judges 14.19, when he kills 30 Philistines to pay for to. to to steal their clothes, to pay off a, a, a gambling debt. And Judges 15, chapter 14, he kills a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey because they burned his wife to death. Each time the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson in power, he did something great. And most often it was connected to his purpose of beginning to the deliverance of Israel. But Samson never fully turns from the road of compromise. He just keeps going. And his exploits are all connected to this life of compromise. Paul says to us, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Samson gets closer and closer to the line of telling Delilah the source of his strength. And when she cuts it off, he doesn't even realize that the Spirit of the Lord has left him. Friends, when we live continually in a place of compromise... It becomes difficult to tell which side of the line we're actually on. We lose that perspective. 
Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24 tells us, Jesus said, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. But friends, insert in the place of money any other thing. Power, pleasure, self, position, possessions, or status. Joshua encouraged his people in the Old Testament He said, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He made a choice. He made a decision to serve God over all of those other things. Samson's life was a life of compromise which led to his choice. You have a choice today regarding whom you will serve. You can choose to compromise or you can choose to serve God with your whole heart. The choice is yours. And number four, God's purpose was able to be accomplished. Now I want to be careful on this point. And here's why. In the course of Samson's, his, his, his course of his career as a, as a military Person, a military leader will say against the Philistines, there were victories. He strikes down 30 in one occasion. He strikes down a thousand in another. One time he was visiting a prostitute in the city of Gaza. I love reading the Bible, and you can go to those cities today, they exist. In the city of Gaza, they surrounded the city. The Philistines knew he was there. They were going to wait until morning, and they were going to pounce on him. But at midnight, he gets up, and he leaves the city. And just for good measure, he grabs the gates of the city, and he tears them off their posts. And he takes them far out of the city, leaving the city vulnerable. And he literally sets the gate up on a hill so they can see it. He had incredible impact in his death, Josh, or Judges 16 tells us that he killed many more than even when he was alive. God was able to use Samson's gluttonous appetites for his own glory. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, the Apostle Paul says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, God can still work through us with our gluttonous appetites for self. But think of this, how much more could he do if we're surrendered and submitted to him? Samson was a, an epic failure. But God still accomplished his purposes. Not not for Samson, but in spite of Samson, God accomplished his purpose. Friends, I believe that God has a purpose and a plan for our lives. And that even despite our epic failures, God can get his plan done. But God wants to use us more and more for His glory, for His purpose. But in order to do that, we've got to get on board with what He wants to do. Samson's story has a a very mixed ending. He's captured, he's blinded. They bring him out for sport in the temple of Dagon. And Samson asks God to remember him. I think this is Samson's point of repentance in his life. I can envision him 
lifting his head toward heaven and he said, God, that you would remember me once more, that one more time you would grant me the strength. And he asks the young boy that's leading him around as they make sport of him, and he said, put me by the two main pillars of the temple. And one last time, God puts his power on Samson. And he begins to push. And that temple begins to shake and to shudder. And as those pillars tumble, 3,000 of the enemies of Israel are destroyed. God accomplished his plan through Samson. But imagine what God could have done had Samson been fully surrendered to the Lord. Friends, I believe that God has a plan for our lives. The scripture says that after they cut Samson's hair, said his hair began to grow again. Oh, that's a great promise. His hair began to grow again. You know what that means? That even after our most epic failures, that God still desires to use us. That we can still come back to Him and repent. That we can still be restored. And I believe that that is a message to you and I today that even despite some epic failures in our lives, God can cause our hair to grow again. And his hair was the source of his strength and God wants to do that in you and I today. Do you get that? Are you seeing it? He has that plan in your life. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you that you are a God of restoration. Even with the people of Israel, after they had committed apostasy and walked away from you, and they cried out to you in repentance. They cried out to you, God, free us from the hand of our enemies. And you would send a deliverer. You did that ultimately for us. By sending Jesus, your son. And Father, I sit here today, I stand here and I look out over these people that, that I know that you have a plan for their lives. But some of them are thinking of the circumstances where they have failed epically and they think God could never use me again. God would never want me again. There's nothing that I could do to ever make up for the epic failure that I've had. And I believe today that the message of your Holy Spirit is this. Your hair will grow again. I want you to say that with me. Your hair will grow again. Come on, say it with me. Your hair will grow again. I want you to personalize it. Say, my hair. My hair will grow again. Father, I believe that you desire to do a work in people today. I believe that you desire to raise them up again after what may have been a, a terrible, in their eyes, a terrible failure. But your word today is that I'm going to restore you. Would you stand with me all across this place, out in the hub, here in the sanctuary? 
How many of you believe that God desires to restore us after epic failures? Do you believe it? Father, I pray. I pray for a spirit of restoration to be upon your people today. Friends, this is a deep work. This is not, this is not an easy thing. This is not a, a, a one-time response thing. This has got to be just hammered out between you and the Holy Spirit that you will believe that God wants to restore you and use you for His purpose and for His glory after your epic failure. You've got to, you've got to say, okay, God, I'm going to believe it. And by faith, you've got to accept it. I love the fact that Paul says it's by grace that we're saved through faith, not of works. It's by nothing that we've done. So even our salvation is by nothing that we've done. And so being restored after an epic failure, it's still by grace. And we've got to have faith. So as we close our service today, what I want to do is I want to invite you. I want to invite you to drive a stake in the ground today. I want to invite you to drive that stake in the ground because it's a, it's a day where you can go back and look to and say, okay, on that day, I determined that I believe that even though I have failed, even though it's, it's been epic, that God Will rest, has restored me and that he will use me for his purpose and his glory. It's a day to accomplish something in the spirit. It's a day to declare that I believe God. The worship team is going to lead us. And in your own heart today, whether you're in the hub or whether you're here in the sanctuary, I want you to drive that stake. I want you to plant it in the ground and say, I believe. I believe that he is restoring me. I believe that he has a plan for my life.